Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious fulfilled living. In today's world, I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and our topic today is Wisdom from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. This conversation is part two of a conversation that was started a few weeks ago and will be a discussion of yoga's quintessential guide for the spiritual life, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, that shows us how to find peace and live with purpose. Once again, I'm delighted to be joined by the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien was ordained to teach in the Kriya Yoga tradition in 1982 by her guru, Roy Davis, who was a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. Yogacharya O'Brien has published several books, including Living the Eternal Way and The Jewel of Abundance, as well as several books of poetry, including the award-winning The Moon Reminded Me. Her online classes include Arta 365, Dharma 365, and Live the Eternal Way. She has an upcoming retreat called Master Your Mind, Insights and Practices from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, and that will be held April 15th to 18th. So coming up in just a few weeks, listeners can register at csecenter.org. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien's books and programs at ellengraceobrien.com. And Brian is B-R-I-A-N, ellengraceobrien.com and csecenter.org. You can also follow her on social media on Facebook at Ellen Grace O'Brien and on Twitter at Yogacharya Live. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really pleased to have you join me again on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. It's a joy to be back and um, offer my, my greetings and my gratitude to all the subscribers to Yoga Hour. I'm glad to be with you this morning. So before we dive in to our dialogue about Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, let's dive in to a yoga moment, a moment of centering, a moment to bring ourselves fully present wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Oh. So let's begin by just feeling 
our bodies in space. Just feeling where our feet meet the floor. Perhaps we're sitting, you can feel the chair or the cushion that's supporting us. And then turn our attention to the breath and just notice the next inhale and exhale. On each inhale, noticing the cool air in the nostrils. And on each exhale, noticing the warm air flowing out. Not trying to change the natural rhythm of our breath, just noticing. Just resting. And as we rest right where we are, here is something to contemplate taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Meditation is the vehicle for changing the direction of our lives from self-serving to surrender. This shift in our perspective occurs when we realize that what we are looking for is already within us. Profound peace, innate wholeness, and bliss. Surrender is letting go of the struggle to acquire what we already have. When we are surrendered, meditation and prayer occur naturally, regularly, and spontaneously throughout the day. Bliss begets bliss. So once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, it's lovely to be here and discuss Patanjali's Yoga Sutra with you. And as I mentioned, you do have an upcoming retreat called Master Your Mind, Insights and Practices from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. So... I should mention that uh, the Yoga Sutras are one of the two main texts that we study with you at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, and they were also a primary teaching text for both Yogananda and your guru, Roy Eugene Davis. For these discussions, the quotes that I use, the translations that I use are Mr. Davis's translations from his book, The Science of Self-Realization, A Guide to Spiritual Practice in the Kriya Yoga Tradition. So... Getting back to the retreat, though, you uh, titled the retreat Master Your Mind. So what is it about Patanjali's Yoga Sutras or this topic that called you to name the retreat Master Your Mind? Mastering the mind is the fundamental skill that is needed in the practice of yoga, Kriya Yoga in particular, um, because mind is uh, either our greatest friend or our greatest enemy. Mm. Um, it Because our attention and awareness is ordinarily outwardly directed and the mind is filled with um, memories, thoughts, desires, uh, experiences that, that we're having, um, it has a veiling effect on consciousness. In other words, um, due to the contents of our own mind, which is the vehicle for our awareness, we're not able to perceive our essential nature. 
-hmm. So we become involved with the contents of the mind and uh, forgetful of our essential nature, which is beyond mind. So the fundamental thing that we do in having a yoga practice, a Kriya yoga practice, is we learn about what the mind is, how the mind works, uh, what this veiling influence is, um, how we you know, can become aware of patterns in the mind and uh, become more conscious of uh, how we act in the world. So all of this, you know, mind is uh, the key component um, that we work with uh, towards the goal of liberation, uh, complete uh, freedom in this lifetime, and it's liberation of, of the soul, really. Um, and so mind is the key component in that. Mm-hmm. So just to give listeners a little recap of our last conversation, I thought I'd once again talk about the first four of the Yoga Sutras. So 1.1 begins, and these again are the translations from Mr. Davis. Now instruction in yoga in accord with an established tradition begins. And then 1.2, samadhi is experienced when fluctuations and changes in the meditator's awareness are restrained and pacified. And then 1.3, the seer then consciously abides in its own nature. And lastly, 1.4, at other times, one is inclined to identify with the changes and transformations that occur in the mind and awareness. And this is actually just what you said. It's just, <laughs> you just kind of gave, a, in other words, a, a recap of, you know, of that, of those four sutras. So I was interested that um, in uh, 1.2, um, Raging Davis translates um, yoga chitta vritti nirodha um, as he translates yoga as as samadhi. So, and I, of course, I know from my study with you that that is one of the meanings of yoga. So, what are what what are some of the other meanings of the word yoga? And and do you have a thought about why he chose samadhi as that uh, as that? Uh, English word to, to in that particular sutra in 1.2 yoga chitta vritti nirodaha. Yeah, because um, this samadhi is the intended meaning of yoga in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Samadhi, the Sanskrit word, means to to bring together completely or to hold together completely. And it refers to um, bringing our attention and our awareness um, fully, um, being established in oneness realization. And this can be with an object of perception. And this is in the meditative path, this is a subtle object of perception. So it would be inner light or inner sound or awareness of prana energy. So it can be um, samadhi, a a complete um, union with that object of perception, 
uninterrupted concentration upon it so that there's no sense of separation from it. Or it can be the higher samadhi, which is um, samadhi without an object, uh, even a subtle object of perception, which is the complete conscious emergence in our essence of being. Um, so this is what Patanjali is really talking about, <laughs> pointing to with yoga. You know, yoga is commonly defined as union, but it is this uh, union as samadhi that is really being referred to. And so yoga can be defined and often is defined as union. It also is, um, yoga is the systems um, for realization. You know, the various ways, the various philosophies and practices are also called yoga. So we have Hatha Yoga, Raja Yoga, Gyan Yoga, Kriya Yoga, so forth. But so this is, um, we can understand that yoga means both the goal, which is the liberation of consciousness, the full realization uh, of what we are, self-realization, God-realization, and liberation from uh, wrong uh, or erroneous perception of the self as body-mind. Um, so that's the goal. And then yoga is also the way. So it's both the, the, the goal of liberation, um, self-realization, and the way to it. So it's the systems, the philosophical systems and practices. Mm. And I know I've heard you say many times that all the way to yoga is yoga. And so that just underlines what you just said. Yeah, I stole that from St. Catherine of Siena, uh -huh. who said all the way to heaven is heaven. And um, that's because uh, I, I wanted to point out that with yoga practice, uh, we're not trying to create something, we're not trying to find something or arrive somewhere um, that isn't already there. Um, so we're not trying to become spiritual. We're not trying to go someplace else. Um, we're, we're simply um, turning our attention and awareness to be established in our own being, which is you know, always present. So all the way, it's always there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, it's lovely, though. I, I love that. Um, I don't know, it brings a real peace to wherever we are right at that moment, <laughs> knowing that all the way to the goal is, is the goal. I mean, you're doing it. The path is the goal. Yeah. And it, I also like to use that to indicate that you know, in so many ways, the small things that we do, anything that we do that is a turning towards divine remembrance is, in a sense, the practice of yoga. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, whether we sit to meditate or whether we're um, making a choice to have a conscious meal, you know, what whatever we're doing that is turning our attention and awareness um, towards being awake, you know, moving out of the hypnotic state of ordinary mind, ordinary consciousness, you know, that's, that's yoga in its broadest sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So continuing on with the, the first chapter, uh, Patanjali gives some advice about the best ways to be successful on the path of Kriya Yoga. 
So in Sutra 112, which Mr. Davis translates as, the troublesome influences of mental impressions should be restrained, weakened, and removed by meditation practice and dispassionate non-attachment. So again, the troublesome influences of mental impressions should be restrained, weakened, and removed by meditation practice and dispassionate non-attachment. So the two Sanskrit words, you know, behind this, the the uh, abhyasa, steady meditation practice, and vairagyam. So I wanted to ask you specifically about those two. So what is abhyasa, and why is it important? Abhyasa is, uh, in this case, is the steady practice of superconscious meditation, meaning repeated practice, meaning regular practice, mm. um, meaning daily practice. But I want to back up and just say, you know, what is being aimed at here? You know, when he, he says these troublesome influences of mental impressions uh, should be restrained and weakened and removed by meditation practices, this points back to, um, the call that I'm making in the retreat, you know, to master the mind. Mm -hmm. And so when we begin our journey in yoga studies and practice, we learn about, you know, what is called samskaras, um, which are mental imprints. And perhaps I know for me, you know, initially I, I didn't know about that. I mean, I knew about memories, you know, emotional memories that could be troublesome, but I didn't realize um, the scope and the depth and the breadth mm. of the mental field. And in some ways, you know, we can liken it to a modern computer you know, that records all thought and experience and perception and uh, emotion. So everything that we do is recorded in what is called the chitta or the mental field. And so this becomes the way in which, you know, our ability to be self-aware, meaning capital S, self-aware is blocked because the mental field becomes clouded with these impressions. We become identified with the impressions of, you know, past experience um, and so forth. So, you know, first we understand that the mental field holds these impressions and that they have a restrictive influence. They have a clouding influence. So there's that as well as the uh, constituent attributes of nature, which can cloud the mental field. Right. So, so those are like our past experience, our present experience, and the um, the influences of of nature. They're all going on in the mental field. There's like a circus in there, which we knew, but <laughs> right. and we didn't really know how to train those circus performers. Um, so they're not carrying away, you know, the soul perception. Um, so first understanding that there are mental impressions and this is what clouds, one of the elements that clouds awareness. So then we understand that, you know, just meditating once, you know, or meditating occasionally or meditating when we feel like it is not going to clarify the mental field. 
It takes repeated experiences of superconsciousness or samadhi to actually clear the mental field. And so how does this clearing occur? The clearing occurs because the light uh, or mm, the the experience of superconsciousness, which is our own essential field of awareness itself, um, shines into the mental field and purifies it. Mm. And so, you know, the yogis talk about if you want to dye a cloth, you have to dip it, you know, in the vat several times in order Mm. to get the color. So in a sense, meditation is like that. So not just meditating once, you have to meditate two the level of superconscious awareness, because that's what clarifies the mental field. Initially, meditation can be stress-reducing and and can help um, us become more aware mm-hmm. of thought activities, desires, and so on and so forth. But ultimately, this abhyasa is repeated experiences of superconsciousness, which then can clarify and uproot these um, samskaras from the mental field. Mm. Such a great description. Thank you for that. So then what is this other piece that we have mentioned, this vairagyam, this dispassionate non-attachment? Because there's only two things that the sutra talks about. (laughs) If you really want the benefits of Kriya Yoga, these are the two things to focus on. I think you did a great exposition of abhyasa and why that is important. So what is vairagyam and uh, why is it important? Vairagya is, you know, dispassionate, non-attachment. And uh, so, you know, I think it's helpful. You can think of abhyasa, this um, repeated experiences of super consciousness. You can think of that as learning how to enhance the inward flow of our attention and awareness to be established in being self-aware, capital S, self-aware. And then vairagya is, um, sometimes I, when I'm teaching, I talk about it, learning how to be cool. Um, you know, I, I grew, I was coming of age in the 60s, and that was a big thing, you know, to be cool. Um, meaning, you know, not to be hot-headed, you know, to be um, able to roll with the bunches through life. And in a sense, um, vairagya is like that. It's like not getting overly involved and reactive to changing conditions. So it's being able to curb the outward flow of our attention and awareness. So we're not creating new... um, imprints in the mental field that are sticky. This is such an important practice and also one that I think is quite misunderstood in that it almost sounds like we need to remove ourselves from our normal life in order to practice this, like go off in a cave somewhere. But I know that's not the case. So how would you make that um, distinction for people? Disengaging from life, meaning not being involved in life versus just practicing this dispassionate non-attachment. You know, it's interesting. um, I I think 
I think in some sense, we, we actually do need to remove ourselves <laughs> from, our, from <laughs> our ordinary life in order to practice this. Um, Yogananda had a beautiful saying, you know, you must not let your life um, run in the ordinary way. And we can connect that to this practice of um, vairagya. Um, because it really means, you know, don't, don't get too absorbed in, wrapped up in, reactive to, um, you know, what's going on in, in your ordinary life. And this implies the ability to have a more enlightened perspective about life meaning we understand how conditions are always changing. And we also understand, you know, what is our own true nature? What is the reality of the self of our, our own self and that of others? Um, so, of course, then, you know, people say, well, you know, I don't want to become, you know, like a robot, you know, unfeeling, you know, if I'm non-reactive, am I going to be non-feeling? No, it's not that. You're, you're just going to be smarter. You're going to be wiser about life. And I think it opens the heart because you see, you know, how suffering is created, um, how we set ourselves up to suffer. And so it, it really helps to clarify awareness. But I would say, yes, in a sense, you actually do have to remove yourself from living in an ordinary way. Mm. So it's not that we have to go live in a, a cave in the Himalayas, but it's a perspective. So we're doing the same things. We're involved. You know, it's not we're getting it's not we're getting divorced and putting our kids up for adoption. You know, we're actually in those same situations. But it's a it's a perspective. You know, thing. It's how we hold it, right? Well, it is that. Um, in in a sense, you do learn to live in the cave of the heart. But what I'm saying is, you you. You have to make some choices along the way on the path of yoga, in a sense, to not live in the ordinary way. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you're going to make lifestyle decisions. And, and no, it's not about leaving your family. Um, but maybe you don't sit in front of the television every night and watch, mm -hmm. you know, uh, endless loops of the news um, because you see what that does to your mind and consciousness. Mm -hmm. So there was an ordinary way that, that you lived um, that wasn't paying attention to what the effect was on the mind and the body. Um, and so with yoga practice, you stop that. <laughs> Right, right. And with that, we've come to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with author, poet, and spiritual teacher, Yogacharya O'Brien. And we're discussing one of the essential texts about yoga, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Yogacharya offers many online classes and programs and has authored several books. You can learn more about that at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and discuss his advice about how best to be successful in our quest for yoga with our essential self. We'll be right back.
Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. This is Dr. Laurel Trujillo here with Yoga Hour founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, and discussing Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Again, reminder about the upcoming retreat on the same topic, and you can find out about that and register at csecenter.org. So let's move on now to uh, Patanjali, the second chapter, uh, 2.1, where Patanjali starts chapter two with the three pillars of Kriya Yoga. Mr. Davis translates the Sutra 2.1 as intensive self-discipline, studious self-inquiry, and surrender to God are the practices of Kriya Yoga. And the three Sanskrit words are tapas, or self-discipline, svadhyaya, self-study, and ishvara pranidhan, self-surrender. So let's start with tapas. Tapas, um, as uh, self-discipline, may be initially misunderstood, bringing to mind perhaps deprivation. Um, and I always appreciate your perspective on it, where you say, do what brings joy to the soul. So can you talk about tapas a little bit? How do you look at tapas? Uh, I think it's um, useful to be aware that it's the first, you know, this ordering of the three practices that comprise Kriya Yoga self-discipline, study of the nature of consciousness and surrender to God um, starts with Mm self-discipline. And, um, you know, there's nothing really that of of great benefit and meaning that we can accomplish in life without self-discipline. And um, so, you know, we can understand that it is absolutely required um, for success in the spiritual life as well. So I was thinking the other day about, you know, how the how, kind of how the mind is like in, the, in a mundane way, you know, like say we, we want something in life. And, um, you know, a common thing is, oh, you know, I would really like to lose weight, you know, in the U.S. anyway, that's a common thing. You know, we know it would be good for our health. Um, you know, just to get rid of those 10 pounds or whatever it is, you know. And so we say, you know, I'd like to lose weight. Um, But, and and so that initial, like I'd like to, or maybe the doctor says you should because it would improve your health. Um, That initial thing, you know, maybe we pay some attention to what we're eating, think about some changes. But 
you know, we find that it, it's that initial thought of, I'd like to do that, <laughs> does not, uh, we don't lose weight that way. I mean, we might initially and then put it back on. So what is required? If you really want to lose weight or you really want to write a book <laughs> or you, you, know, you really want to graduate from college or you really want to experience um, the liberation of consciousness, you have to be determined, right? You have to be determined so that you, you get a plan and you stay with it. So I think that self-discipline being the first practice that Patanjali gives us has that call to disciplined determination. Do you really want this? Is it really important to you? If it is, then you're going to have uh, a disciplined way of approaching it. Otherwise, it'll just be a want that kind of, you know, has some initial energy, but then fades out. And so for me, this tapas, you know, which means heat, um, and it is the determination that we apply um, to something that is important to us, something that we really want uh, in our life. And we want to, um, experience the fruition of that positive desire. Um, and, and so, you know, in terms of thinking of it as, you know, not a punishment, but what brings joy uh, to the soul, of course, the soul is inherently joyful. So it is, it is doing, you know, what we know uh, will be in the, in our highest and best interest, really. Yes. And yet that's something that is hard to do sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. which it feels like is a pull and push between or a, a kind of a tug of war between ego and soul. And so ego comes up with lots of ideas that are based on, you know, likes and dislikes that then may not actually be what we truly want to do. And so that's always something that we need to sort out. Yeah, and that, that gets back, doesn't it, to what we were talking about in the first segment, which is mastering the mind, understanding mm. the nature of the mind and, you know, where resistance uh, comes from and, you know, how we can overcome the obstacles um, that would get in the way of um, cooperating, in a sense, with our with our highest good. Um, the other thing I would say about that is that it's very helpful, of course, to have a path. You know, just like I said, if you're gonna if you're gonna write a book or you you want to lose weight for a healthy lifestyle, it's it's helpful to have a plan for doing that. You know, and to have support. So when you're on a spiritual path, at some point you, you get to a juncture where you dive in and you say, this is the path I'm going to follow. You know, there's so many good ones. Kriya yoga is not the only way. And I always liked that, that my teacher taught that, you know, there are many viable paths to self and God realization. This happens to be one that he found and I found to be very um, effective and it, and, and it called to me. So having, you have the determination and then you have um, a system 
that is going to support you in reaching your goal. And in Kriya Yoga, part of that system is not only the philosophy and the practices, but it's having a teacher, it's having a, a guru, um, drawing from that tradition of yoga masters mm -hmm. that um, can support you in your process. Mm -hmm. So then moving along, we've talked about tapas, talked about self-discipline, and the next of the three is self-study. So svadhyaya. So can you talk about svadhyaya and why it's important? Well, we have to learn, you know, what we're working with, you know, what works for us and what works against us. So we've been talking about mastering the mind, but in order to master the mind, you have to understand the mind. You have to understand, you know, what creates the impressions in the mental field, how they can be removed. Um, you know, basics in yoga, it, you know, one of them is learning how to concentrate um, and so understanding the mind and, you know, what supports us in concentration, which is a basic, a basic practice and why is it a basic practice? So, you know, study helps us with all of that. And of course, study of scripture is looking at, you know, what are the timeless practices um, that we can draw from, you know, that, you know, human, you know, technology has changed, but you know, the nature of reality has not changed. The nature of the human mind has not changed. Consciousness, of course, never changes. So we, we look at these uh, ancient scriptures to see, you know, what is it that has worked through all time uh, to bring about this liberation, you know, that we're seeking, this awakening that we're seeking. Um, and, you know, it helps us to know that it's possible. And, you know, not only are they the ancient scriptures, but I was talking about being part of a tradition, you see, you know, the witnessing of the masters through time of how it worked for them. Mm -hmm. As I was thinking about these two, as we've been discussing them, I've been reflecting on how, for me, there's just a real feedback loop too. So um, when I guess really touched on this, but Svadhyaya, in addition to studying sacred scriptures, we're studying ourselves, studying our minds, studying our reactions. And then oftentimes that leads me then back to tapas and realizing, oh, okay, here's something that is a deeper level of tapas, the deeper level of self-discipline that I have not been paying attention to. Now I need to clean up my act in that area as well. So it's another thing to be self-disciplined about that I didn't even see before. Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. how that to me, there's like a little, there's like a little feedback loop there where we have a realization through self-study. We see something that we haven't seen about ourselves and that leads us to deepen our self-discipline practice. Absolutely. That's such an important part of it. And of course the, the pinnacle of, of self-study is the realization of the true self you know, that's the ultimate of self-study is uh, discovering uh, through our direct experience the truth of our, our being. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll turn to the third or Ishvara Pranidhan, the devotion or surrender to God. And in, in this 
instance, God, we can think about God as a supreme being, as the source and substance of all that is, of universal oneness, or however a listener may think about God, but that devotion or surrender to God is that third pillar. So how do you define Ishvara Pranidhan? Well, it can be defined in several ways. Um, you know, surrender to God, and the Ishwara that is talked about in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, it refers to the, the Lord, um, the divine intelligence, the creator of, of life. But it doesn't refer to a specific deity. So it's this idea that, you know, the that as ultimate reality moves into manifestation, there there is, um, in a sense, the, the overseer of this process, um, the Lord or God. And so Ishwara Pranidhan is surrendering to this recognition that there is a higher power, if you will, um, letting go of the idea that we are separate from the source. So Ishwara mm -hmm. is, is the source that is manifesting as all creation. So it's a beautiful way of affirming that we live in a sacred world, a sacred universe, which mm -hmm. is permeated by God's reality, God's presence. And I always liked yoga because it's, you know, it's, it's in a sense, it's theistic because there is pointing to God, which, you know, since I was a young child, I, I knew that yes, God is real. Um, but it doesn't ask you to believe in a particular deity. So, you know, my girl would say, however, God is real for you. So it's, it's letting go of this sense of separate self. It's recognizing that we live in a sacred universe that is permeated by ultimate reality, God in expression. But in Kriya Yoga tradition, there's also a mystical component of Ishwara Pranidhan, which is uh, it, it is an emergence in Om. You know, the Om um, is the the power of consciousness that is manifesting as all creation. And in the depths of meditation, you know, one can experience this primal sound, this Om vibration and surrender to it, surrender in it. And that process of meditating on Om, in a sense, uh, unlocks the, the, uh, the prison of separate self. So one meditates on Om, one meditates in Om, one meditates beyond Om. So this Ishwara Pranidhan has the mystical um, avenue of direct perception of ultimate reality. It was interesting when you were speaking about meditation, and and it has struck me in meditation as I as I move into superconscious meditation, as my meditation deepens. It is 
letting go. It is letting go of the ego because we're going beyond that. And ego is so much a collection of, of thoughts and mm -hmm. preferences and likes and dislikes that I move beyond as I go deeper in meditation, as I, as I um, practice concentration, as I, um, as, as it gets to the point of super conscious meditation, it's it's like you have to let go, right? You have to let go because if you're holding on to that self, if you're holding on to that idea, then you can't actually move beyond it. You can't actually go to the point of super consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yes, surrender is necessary. And I, I was thinking about how in, in some ways there's this little parallel with... Um, 12 step programs. Mm. If you're familiar with, you know, recovery programs where sometimes people in the recovery community talk about how people come in, um, to the program, but they don't necessarily experience the ultimate liberation that recovery can bring because they just stay focused on the first two steps. And it is kind of called doing the two step instead of the whole 12 steps of the program. <laughs> and the first two steps are, you know, the first one, you know, admitting that there's a problem and that your life is unmanageable, you know, that is whatever addiction a person is dealing with. And then the second step is, you know, um, coming to believe that there's a power greater than yourself that can restore your, your sanity, restore your life. Um, but the third step is a surrender. Mm. It's, um, you know, turning your, your, your will over to the care of God. And so when a person does the two step, they don't get to that step three. You know, and they keep trying to do it on their own. In other words, they say, I have a problem, you know, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, it's going to be managed now and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But they don't get to that third step, which is surrender. And I was thinking about how in Kriya Yoga, and I, and I don't want to imply that they're the same. Sometimes people say that, oh, recovery and, you know, Kriya Yoga, spiritual life, same thing. They're not the same thing. They they have different goals, and um, and yet there are some similarities that that we can look at that are kind of useful. Which is in Kriya Yoga, it's also possible, and I've seen it where you know students um, stay stuck on on the practices of one and two. Um, in other words, self discipline and study, but they never get to surrender. And so the, <clears throat> it is ultimately not um, fulfilling and it is um, not fully successful because in order to fully succeed in our spiritual practice of Kriya Yoga, surrender is essential you know, letting go and letting God, you cannot, cannot accomplish this just by self-discipline and just by study, because as you mentioned, you know, so lovely, uh, in just a moment ago, that there's that point where you have to go beyond mind, you have to go beyond ego and you can't do that from the level of ego. Right. Right. It's a matter yeah. of grace. <laughs> Good reminder. The, um, it just strikes me that our, later last few minutes of this conversation is reflecting the first 
few minutes of the conversation we were talking about the first four of the yoga sutras was really what we're talking about is is you know 1.2 the cessation of mental modifications and that's what that's what we're surrendering really is those mental modifications and in order to get to 1.3 where the seer abides in its own true nature you have to you have to have this process of surrender there's no way to get there with it's, from what you just yeah, said that's absolutely true and you know, a part of that is letting go of the idea yes. um, that you are going to, you know, reach uh, some spiritual perfection through what you do or what you think or what you accomplish, um, because there is no you uh, to accomplish that. Indeed. And this all points to this whole conversation points to how Kriya Yoga is uh, so much broader of a path than just the meditation practices and just, for example, the Kriya Pranayam, which people may have heard of, but it really is a way of living your life. It's a way of, of divine remembrance, as you mentioned earlier, and bringing that into your daily life and having that be a recurrent practice. So mm -hmm. do you have a couple of tips about that? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? And so the question is, how do we be remain steady on this path? No, it was more about, you know, um, we have a steady meditation practice, so we're doing it in the morning. But if we're really going to live this path, it needs to come off of the off of the mat, off of the cushion, and it needs to come into the rest of our lives, which is really what we've been mentioning with the self-study and self-surrender that happens all throughout the day. Um, and it's also remembrance, divine remembrance. So do you have ways that you bring divine remembrance back during mm. your busy day? Mm. Yeah. Um, there's so many ways to do that. That's such a good question. And of course, it's part of how practice permeates our life. And, you know, when I think of Kriya Yoga and defining it, you know, I say, you know, Kriya Yoga is simply intentional living. Mm. you know, in, intentional, spiritually conscious living. And so we arrange conditions in our life um, to point us towards remembrance. And so we have a routine for practice. You know, we may have affirmations that we use. You know, I have, I'm looking around in my office right now, I have, you know, pictures of the yoga masters. Um, and actually, they're kind of all over my house. And so, you know, I right now I have a painting of Paramahansa Yogananda that's at the foot of my stairs. So whether I'm going, you know, up or down, um, there's Yogananda. And I look at him and I am reminded of what my life is about. Mm -hmm. And um, it, so, you know, whatever helps you remember that, you know, get that out where you can see it. <laughs> and unbelievably, we're almost to the end of the time, but I wanted to give you the last few minutes. So in closing, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I've always thought that um, one of the strongest uh, encouragements that we have is being in touch with our own soul yearning. You know, if we just look, we can see, you know, how it's been there with us all along. And there's a point at which we decide to honor that. And when we do, I think it's so important, you know, to be aware of, well, what do I really want? What do I really want in this lifetime? And then as I 
you know, quoted from Paramahansaji in this segment today, make a determination. Make a determination of what you will do um, to support yourself, um, to experience the highest goal in this lifetime. Lovely reminder, and also lovely that in just a few weeks, there's an opportunity for people to have a, a deeper reminder by participating in the Master Your Mind retreat with you, online retreat. So I encourage that uh, um, everyone can uh, sign up at csecenter.org. And we should say that this is 2021. Um, yes. when that retreat is happening, because I know the archives are there and I'm glad you're listening on whatever year it is, but um, this retreat is happening 2021. That's right. And specific in April. So you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. We've been discussing wisdom from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra with the Yoga Hour's founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. You can learn more about her upcoming programs, books, and online classes at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. You can also hear many of her online talks when you check out her YouTube channel, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Thank you so much for this conversation, Yogacharya. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and diving a little deeper into the wisdom of Patanjali. Thank you so much, Dr. Trujillo. It's really been a pleasure. And thanks again to the listeners and subscribers to Yoga Hour. Really appreciate being with you and also the ways in which you um, support Yoga Hour by letting others know about it. And for listeners, we encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs every single day from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, afternoon meditation, which is daily from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, and also Sunday morning satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. Um, again, the Master Your Mind Retreat is coming up April 15th to 18th, 2021, and you can register at csecenter.org. Join us next time when I will be joined by Will Johnson for a program titled Embody Your Meditation Practice. Mr. Johnson is a teacher, Buddhist practitioner, and author of the book, The Posture of Meditation, a practical manual for meditators of all traditions. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember to subscribe, and if you're enjoying the program, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes and Mickey Coronado, and as always, Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. 